and welcome to the Esports Technology Podcast. This week our guest is Brock Lachowski, a master's student at Western University in Ontario. Brock is researching rowing with a focus on biomechanics and oars. He tells us about his varied background in sports and his studies into the whipping effect and biomechanic interaction with the oar. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. This is Henry and Mike. Hi, everyone. And uh, with us today is Brock Lashowski, research student at the University of uh, Western Ontario in Canada. He's working uh, with rowing research, focusing on biomechanics and oars. So, Brock, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, would you like to start by telling us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in sports technology and engineering? Uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me, by the way. I guess uh, I'm, I'm not too familiar uh, with with other people in my position around the world, but uh, at least within Canada, my upbringing is fairly unconventional. I actually started off as a high-performance athlete, particularly in boxing. I was a competitive boxer for several years. And over the years, I suffered numerous concussions and you know, bruised noses, everything that kind of goes around boxing. And uh, also uh, was fairly underweight because there is a belief that cutting weight and fighting in a lower weight class gives you an advantage over your opponent. And because of all this, my days as an athlete kind of were cut short, unfortunately. But it was interesting that afterwards, I conducted an independent research study, which reviewed Boxing Canada's national development program. And I found that with the sample population that I used, which is, I believe it was like 30 boxers, um, the majority faced similar medical conditions that I did. And so after boxing, I decided to focus more on my academics. And so it was around that time that I completed an honors bachelor at the University of Toronto. And during that time, I conducted research thesis in both my third and fourth years, which focused on more or less the interaction between athletic training and jump biomechanics. And I was able to present both of those papers at two national conferences and then uh, actually even got to present it at the International Congress on Sports Sciences in Budapest, Hungary. And so aside from that, uh, around this time, I was, I believe in my third year, I was selected for a paid internship at the Canadian Sport Institute. And during my time at the Institute, I tested athletes from several of Canada's national programs. Um, they included things like uh, trampoline, beach volleyball, wheelchair basketball, skiing, swimming. There were several others. And so I guess in hindsight, during my bachelor's, um, I got extensive exposure to sports sciences from both a practical as well as a research and academic perspective. And then when applying for my master's, I received a call from the Canadian Sport Institute and they wanted to continue my working relationship with them. So they offered me a biomechanics position with the National Rowing Program based out of London, Ontario, while concurrently completing my master's degree at Western University, which is also in London, with uh, Dr. Volker Nolte. Now, uh, Dr. Nolte is widely regarded as one of the top rowing biomechanists in the world. And Coming into the program, I made it very clear to him that I was particularly interested in the equipment engineering side of sport biomechanics research. 
And through his extensive background in rowing, he told me about this long time belief in rowing that would be perfect for you know my interest in what I want to do. And that belief is that the rowing oars actually behave similar to a hockey stick when loaded. Now, in hockey, when a player takes a slap shot, the blade actually interacts with the ice just prior to puck contact. And this deforms the shaft, which stores elastic potential energy. And then as the athlete takes the weight off of the stick and follows through, that elastic potential energy is transferred into kinetic energy. And this is what actually drives puck propulsion. Now, referring back to rowing, when an athlete places their blades into the water and applies force to the handle, the shaft does deform. Okay. It does. And it is believed that the shafts have this quote unquote whipping effect at the end of the stroke. And I guess like in theory, this would be advantageous because near the end of the stroke, the forces on the oar are primarily from smaller muscle groups like the arms, um, as opposed to the beginning of the stroke where the primary movers are the legs and back. However, the loading parameters of the oar differ from a, a, a hockey stick. If I guess like in a theoretical world, if they were the same, the oar shafts would be mechanically loaded and deformed then placed into the water and somehow released, which would obviously cause this whipping action. However, this isn't the case. If you actually ever to watch rowing, the oars actually deform over the course of a stroke, not prior to. And so I know, I know that's a long introduction, but I guess more or less what I'm saying is that my, my graduate research at least has focused on investigating the interaction between the oars engineering, more specifically its mechanical design, and then its relationship with rolling biomechanics. So can you walk us through some of the tests that you may do with athletes or even in your own lab? We like to kind of paint a picture about kind of what it is you're actually working on. I, I guess like the one way I was able to look at the question was um, through three different lenses. One was a mechanical, the other one being a statistical, and then the last one being more of a practical, which I think these three kind of pillars make up the fundamental ingredients to a successful project when looking at um, any kind of equipment design and engineering. And so the very first project I conducted was in collaboration with the physics department at Western, which consisted of testing the oars, um, which were of different stiffnesses as well as of different lengths. And the oars were mechanically loaded with various static loads, and then the linear deflections at incremental markers along the shafts were measured. And as expected, the results showed that stiffer ores deflect less, and this was regardless or independent of position or load. Uh, Also, there were differences in the deflection between ore lengths, but those differences weren't as significant as the differences between stiffnesses. And The lastly, we found that, and it was fairly interesting, that there were actually asymmetrical differences in the linear deflections between port and starboard oars. And so that was more from the experimental side. And then I guess the the oars mechanics were subsequently mathematically modeled using beam theory, Um, more specifically uh, using free end cantilever beams with concentrated loads acting downward at the free end. And using the measured deflection data from the experimental test that I previously described, 
the ORS compliance, the linear deflections, and the flexural rigidity were modeled or mathematically modeled. And the novel finding of the whole study was that the ore shafts, all of them, were stiffer closer to the sleeves and then progressively more flexible towards the blades. And that the bending stiffness, which is the flexural rigidity um, between ores, did differ. And this could significantly change the blade's angle of attack during the stroke. Um, the angle of attack is essentially the blade's position relative to oncoming water flow. And research has shown that the angle of attack affects the hydrodynamic propulsive forces acting on the blades. So it does, sh- it does show that, you know, ore shafts mechanics do have implications on overall bolt propulsion. However, it's one thing to test the mechanics of an ore in a laboratory setting. It's a completely another thing to test it in the field, which offers practical and realistic application. Um, However, in order to test ores on water, I needed accurate and consistent instrumentation that allowed me to do so. So I decided to use a rowing instrumentation system based out of the UK, which measures ore lock forces and angles using strain gauges and potentiometer transducers. And so I took uh, uh, several ore locks, it was 17, which consisted of both sweep and skull ore locks. And the ore locks were statically loaded with various known forces over multiple consecutive days. Then the differences in the system's measurements were compared or statistically analyzed compared to the known applied forces. And it's actually pretty interesting that the results showed that the measurements or the force measurements were consistent across testing dates. However, the measurements were actually inaccurate. So they were consistently inaccurate. Um, so uh, I ended up submitting that paper for publication. And at the end of the paper, I suggested an algorithm which could be factored into the raw data to attenuate these discrepancies. And so I guess now putting everything together, my last study used the instrumentation system from my second study in order to test the ores from the first study using real high-performing athletes. And so I took a number of different athletes um, and I gave them ores of two different stiffnesses and those were tested at three different lengths. So the athletes were instructed to row a set distance with each combination and then the performances were evaluated. Um, Now, the results, unfortunately, like the final analysis cannot be disclosed, but the preliminary results suggested that changing the stiffness as well as length did not significantly affect on-water rowing performance. Brock, um, with, with the testing, it, uh, rowing is such a, a complicated sport, and there's a, I have a colleague who's also kind of investigating it. I just know a little bit about it, but are you, are you able to kind of look at some of the beam theory and some of the more theoretical uh, calculations-based uh, modeling as, uh, as a replacement for some like some of the more complicated on-water testing? Like can, you, can you calculate something and, and kind of be able to propagate that through to, to understand what the effect might be on the water without actually doing big trials and things? Or To, to be fair, there have been studies that have modeled using, say, computational fluid dynamics or a finite element analysis of the ore itself. So they have modeled these things where the athlete inconsistencies as well as factors like fatigue or wind can be taken to account. 
Um, but unfortunately, I guess from a practical perspective, it doesn't necessarily, um, it's, it's not realistic. And so though those studies have been done, it's very hard to, you know, I guess go back to a manufacturer or even go to high performing athletes themselves, like the national rowers that I work with and explain to a coach, well, this is what a computer model shows. So maybe you should do that. Um, it's, it's a lot easier, I guess, even from, um, a coaching perspective to see results from actual practical tests on the water. So yes, I do appreciate that. Um, there are, uh, it's not as clear cut as, um, and as simple as, okay, have these ores and let's see if there's any differences. Um, but I believe there's a whole facet of things that we need to take into account. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to kind of communicate that some of the, the research, especially the theoretical stuff to, to athletes who've been, who've been training and coaches who have been training in, in, uh, in a certain way for, for quite a while. Early on, you, you mentioned trampolines and, I'm kind of thinking about trampolines and, and rowing now, not not at the same time, but like the kind of that that springing effect that you get from a trampoline and how you have to time the the kickoff of your legs with with the with the rebound of the trampoline to get the maximum jump. I'm wondering if if you're considering kind of like can you can you tune the the dynamic response of an oar so it gives this this whipping effect that you mentioned at the right time? The one thing that I found was that, uh, first of all, any differences that we see, or at least that I saw in my research, um, that may be a contribution of differences in the mechanical properties of any kind of equipment, those differences are actually less than any differences that we see within the athletes. So the athletes, even the high-performing athletes that I work with, their inconsistencies just from stroke to stroke um, those differences are actually greater than any of the mechanical properties that I've oh, seen right. using different. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I think it's actually kind of humbling when I think about it in that given that the athletes or humans for that matter are biologically highly adaptable, even though my athletes use equipment that were mechanically different, the athletes were able to compensate for the differences. And so Yes, this compensation may have long-term implications. However, what I've seen based on the data thus far, it would appear that the current standards to ore selection, which are based on the athlete's personal preferences, may prove beneficial from a more psychological perspective. So Brock, with this whole research and, and kind of the, the, the direction you've gone here, where do you see yourself kind of taking this? Do you see yourself continuing on to a PhD or kind of going into working with uh, some of the manufacturers and improving these um, these products? Well, I, I guess it's more of a twofold question. One, I love research. Um, I believe that research is, is more or less a personality or it's designed more or less for a personality, not necessarily a job title. I believe that regardless of your position in this world, whether you're a construction worker, a student or a gym teacher or whatever it may be, I believe everyone has the ability to critically analyze the world around them and to become immersed and ask questions like why and how. So, um, so research itself is what I want to do regardless of where that is. Um, so whether it be working with um, athletes or in academia or going back to the manufacturers and work in research and design. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily where I'm going to go, but it's what I'm going to do. And that's research. Um, 
In terms of my academic career, I've already applied for my PhD um, for various mechanical engineering programs in Canada, and uh, I'll be starting that in September. And though it will have nothing to do with rowing, the physics principles and the engineering principles that I've used and applied to rowing and understanding the equipment and the technology that goes into understanding athletic performance can be translated into a number of different sports. I don't believe that my research is a reflection on rowing technology or rowing biomechanics specifically. I believe it is a reflection of the incorporation of sciences and technology into sport because these physics principles can be applied, whether it's looking at, you know, the mechanical properties of a ball or a slap shot or um, I don't know, a, a jump shot in basketball or a whole load of things. So I believe that any kind of modeling or any kind of mechanical testing can be done to any equipment. Brock, you've, you've been involved in, in a few sports, as you mentioned before, rowing and, and some of the others, or boxing, just, uh, just yourself. But I'm wondering if that gave you an insight on, on kind of the, the advancements that can be made in sports. This, this might be another theoretical type question. But um, like I want, do, you think the, uh, do you think the advancements that, that you're working towards, that, that your research is uncovering, will make differences in equipment performance or will, will help coaching? So like like let's take let's take rowing for example. Do you think do you think your research will help help produce uh, more efficient oars or help athletes understand them better and be able to to use them? Uh, maybe maybe change things from a biomechanics perspective a little bit more. I think um to answer your question, I think that they're one in the same. I believe that you need both. Um right now I guess like if we're just talking uh, even in general, I'd prefer to do that as opposed to just in rowing. We're starting to see this emergence with science and technology into sport. Historically speaking, they've acted in isolation. Um, that's why, you know, they've had these, um, I guess, sociocultural beliefs develop in sport, where in rowing, they think that oars act like hockey sticks, when if you look at the loading parameters, they're vastly different, um, similar to my boxing career. You know, it's boxing had this tough guy push through the pain mentality. Um, you know, it's, if you break your nose, you get up and you keep fighting kind of thing. Um, same thing with the belief that cutting weight somehow gives you an advantage. These have all been developed over years and years of belief and rituals and um, being immersed in the sociocultural aspect of the sport. Um, but now that we're introducing science into that, um, I believe and this is why it's an extremely exciting time to be in this field, sport engineering, we're starting to see this clash between the two. And I believe we see this in a number of different sports. Um, now, for better or for worse, the laser suits and swimming. This is, a, this is an incorporation of some of the most advanced science and technology and engineering, understanding fluid mechanics and designing a suit that actually enhances the performance of an athlete. But you know, sport or those who are in, um, uh, the powers that be in sport felt that it was so effective, it changed the nature of the sport itself and thus was cheating or it wasn't commercially available to everyone and thus was deemed cheating. Um, now, as a researcher, it's very hard for me to swallow that pill because I'm basically told or I'm seeing that I need to enhance an athlete's performance. I need to be able to apply science into sport, but not to the point where it's too effective. It has to be effective, but not too effective, because if it's groundbreaking, it'll, it, like, it conflicts with the 
I guess, the foundations that were laid hundreds of years ago and the rules that were, you know, back then uh, applied to the sport. And, uh, you know, I don't believe this is just in isolation with uh, swimming. I think this is for a whole load of other programs, whether it goes to, um, you know, Oscar Storis, the, the sprinter from South Africa with his prosthetic legs. They felt he had a mechanical advantage. Or I guess this could even, I guess, evolve to the debate between anabolic steroids and its corporation into sport. Um, you know, I guess at some point, you know, we're going to eventually need to you know, have this official debate where, you know, where do we introduce the latest science and engineering into sport and what to do with that. So before anything else, I think it's, you know, you're asking, you know, should it be, you know, uh, testing and producing more efficient equipment? Well, I, I, I love doing that, but I don't see the point in doing that when these sport bodies that, you know, govern the sport won't use it or they'll deem it cheating. And the last thing, you know, I would ever want is any of my engineering colleagues or, you know, researchers to have their years of, work and science be shut down, you know, yes, it, it may be cheating. So I'm not, I'm not advocating one or the other. I'm just kind of taking a back seat here and saying, well, let's look at the whole picture and let's have this debate. So, um, yeah, it's a, I guess, it's, yeah. it's a tricky one. It's a fine, a fine line to, uh, to walk, but, um, I think it's, it's kind of, kind of exciting to see. It's always pushing the boundaries too. Um, is, uh, is there much, is there much scope within the rules of rowing to change the oar stiffness? Is that, is that something that's considered by governing bodies? FISA is the governing body for international rowing, and they do lay a mandate in their rules of regulations that any equipment, whether it be oars, or blades, seats, boats, everything must uh, meet certain criteria, one that is commercially available, one that is environmentally safe, and uh, also that it's cost effective, so it's available for everyone. However, there are no restrictions set out by manufacturers as long as the manufacturers can develop something that is available to everyone and that you know meets certain criteria. That is possible. And so um, you know you'll never end. You'll never go to an Olympic final where you know some team will end up having a boat that no one's ever seen before. Um, that won't be the case. But so there is few restrictions, but um, there is. Very, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of the stiffnesses as well as lengths or diameters or all the different mechanical properties you can change. Um, there, there is some flexibility there. Yes. Oh, it's nice. It's, well, it's, we'll keep our eyes up for uh, for what changes. Then it's uh, a lot of a lot of innovation can happen there. Um, well, is there any uh, any websites that you'd like to point our listeners to if they'd like to know more about rowing or more about your work? Well, with my work in particular, um, because I'm affiliated with the Canadian Sport Institute, um, if anyone cares to know more about what we're doing in Canada or you know, the latest science and technology that's applicable to sport, um, I would suggest looking at the Canadian Sport Institute. Um, but then with my work in particular here at Western, uh, the best thing to do is then go on the Western website and look at the sport biomechanics lab that is run by Dr. Volker Nolte and the work we're doing. And then aside from that, also uh, our publications, which will be in various journals like sport biomechanics and sport engineering. Um, uh, those, those will be coming out very, very, very soon. And so I guess keep your eyes out for those. But other than that. Yeah, that sounds great. We'll, we'll put links to those. Um, we'll put links to those on our website. And uh, if you if you send us a note, we'll we'll happily uh, update that with um, with links to the new papers as they come out. So uh, 
Right. Well, Brock, thanks a lot for your time. It was a great conversation. And we wish you all the best with your research in the coming years. Thank you very much. And that is the episode. Thank you, Brock. And thanks, listeners, for listening. We'll put links up on our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.